Well, grace and peace, everybody. I want to welcome you one more time. Once again, this is week episode, let's say week 21, episode 21. And, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on Bridging the Gap podcast. Today, I want to introduce to my guests and to this audience for the first time, a friend, Pastor Steve Bratcher, who currently lives in Kokomo, Indiana. Pastor Steve, thank you for joining us today on this week's podcast episode. Well, Pastor Nate, thank you for having me. It's a great joy to be with you and, and everyone here today. Well, I'll just give you a little insight to the world here. Me and Steve has known each other for, for, for we were sitting here trying to recap, when did we meet? And it's probably been about 12, 20 years, we're thinking. But he's also my son Isaiah's love of the life's father. So, <laughs> so we, we, we wanted to bring that in here and to just to show the closeness that, uh, that we could have in the future, but we're not speaking things into existence yet. Right, so right. let's go forward. Pastor Steve, I believe I've known you. We talked about for about 20 years now. I know that is surprising to our listeners and our viewers at home right now because they're probably thinking we're in our late 20s anyway. Well, must have been known when we were babies. Babies yeah. in the nursery or something. <laughs> but I believe we met for the first time through a teen camp in Kokomo at Christian Heritage where you were one of the leaders in that ministry and and under Bishop Ray Freeman. Now talk to us a little bit about where your journey all began and how how did God call you to Christian Heritage at that time when I met you? Yeah, so uh, it's really, it's quite a journey. I, I was raised by a, a single mother and uh, grew up. My father had some addiction issues and um, and so I, I didn't really have church around very much. It wasn't part of our normal routine. My mom made it a, a thing for me to make sure that I went to church one time a week. Uh, and so as a teenager, you know, I didn't like getting up on, on Sunday mornings because Saturday nights were, you know, busier. And, uh, so, uh, for me, it was just a matter of, uh, my family went to Christian heritage as when I turned about 12, started going there and, and I seen, you know, Bishop Freeman beating on a piano up on the stage and seeing it rocking and hearing him preach and being scared sometimes, uh, of just, uh, of everything that was going on. Cause we really didn't go in a church like that. And, um, I remember I was 13 years old. It was a Sunday night, and um, I, I just, um, as I was sitting there, I can't tell you what was preached. I can't tell you what was said, but I know that God dealt with my heart. And uh, and I remember going up to a, a friend of mine, and in fact, I think it was June 21st, 1990, I believe is when it was. Maybe, maybe a little bit different date, but I remember going to him and, and literally grabbing him by the shirt saying, I need Jesus. And uh, and ran to the altar, and he led me to led me to the Lord in prayer. And from that point on, you know, it wasn't perfect, um, but definitely um, definitely knew that God had a plan for my life, and um, and he's he's been faithful. Wow! So you were 13 when you kind of surrendered your heart to Jesus. Absolutely. So when when was it when you? How old were you when you started feeling like you had a calling in your life? So I think early on in 13, uh, you know, I was, uh, as I was 13, just knew that God had a plan for me. I, you know, I sang in choirs at, at uh, school and, and had uh, written songs down and things like that, but uh, never was afraid to speak in public, never was worried about that when everybody would shy away from it. I just, I didn't think it was a big deal to me. Um, and, and I remember, um, you know, seeing the choir sing and thinking, yeah, I think that's something I can do. And, and, and the more I looked at it, the more I thought, I really don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to sing on the stage. In fact, the first time, I, I'll never forget, we, we had some uh, friends come and sing at the church. It was a special song, and I'd written the song, and, and my choir teacher had done the music, and it was great. I had four friends. We were going to sing this, this great song, Never Stop. That was the title of it. And we got up there, and the, 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 the uh, piano player, the tape, he had taped one that was too fast. 
and the second, now I said tape, so that that shows a little <laughs> bit of our a little bit of our age. And the other side was the right tempo. And unfortunately, the first side was played. And so I'm trying to think, you know, my grandpa's bragging to Pastor Freeman about how amazing we are, and we're it was a train wreck. And I, I remember thinking, I'm never getting on that stage again. I was so embarrassed, uh, never thought about anything else. And it was, it was right around uh, 16 to 17 years old that I knew um, there was something more that God wanted me to do. And I, you know, uh, as a teenager, probably wasn't as faithful as what I should have been sure. and, uh, and tried to run away from that. And uh, I remember walking into Pastor Freeman's office. I was 18 years old, just graduated high school, was getting ready to actually get married. Um, okay. and, uh, and I looked at him and I said, sir, I said, um, I know the Lord's called me to preach, and I don't know what it's going to take to get that. I don't know what I do here. I don't know what that's all about, but I know God's called me to preach. And uh, he said, well, it's about time. Okay. And uh, so he's seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. And, uh, you know, so then you know, from that point on, 17 years old, I was singing in the choir, helping teach a, a class that actually my wife had gotten. And she's like, do you want to teach this class of 10-year-olds? And I'm like, Sure. And next thing you know, we're we're doing children's ministry, teaching classes, driving church vans, wow. and um, and and again, never me never really worrying about whether I was being a janitor, picking up paper towels, singing in the choir, dealing with youth. It never really came to my mind as long as we were doing something together and serving the Lord. Awesome. Now you mentioned Marie in this whole incident, which is your wife. Yeah. Uh, now how long have you been married, Marie? Uh, it'll be 25 years in 25. December. Wow. So when you met her, when did you, did you, I assume you met her in church. We did. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. how did that all come about? Like she, you said she was a teacher in one of the classes no, too? Yeah, yeah, she was. She wasn't my teacher. Okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, don't give me too much trouble. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was funny. So in 1994, um, she was at church camp, and I was at church camp. Um, and, uh, you know, she never gave me the time of the day. She was a little bit older than me. Uh, not much, but a little bit. But she never gave me the time of day. And so I was like, whatever, didn't worry about it. And I remember it was uh, 95-ish, um, late 95, 96, early 96. Um, I noticed this, this lady and this, this young woman that I thought, I don't have a shot with this woman at all, but I'm going to just ask her out. And so I, this was my line. I'll never forget it. Uh, we were walking out of Noble Romans in Kokomo, and, and, uh, and I said, hey, you want to do something Friday? I mean, that was my line. It was really smooth. And, um, I mean, it wasn't like a talking, it was a, you know, we were distance away. Do you want to do something Friday? And she's like, sure. And, uh, that was our first date was February 9th, 1996. Uh, and then we were married in December, December 6th of 1996. Hey, when you know, you know. Yeah. I was just, I want to make sure she didn't get away because right. I knew I was like, this is way out of my league. So that I was, awesome. I was thinking, yeah, I've never heard that story. So I'm glad I brought that up for you and, and <laughs> yeah. to hear that. So now I know Christian heritage, since we're talking about that church, Christian heritage worship center was your first full-time ministry position, I believe. Now tell us how that all came about and how did you know that God was calling you into full-time lead pastor role? Yeah. So it was, you know, throughout ministry, it's, it's, it's unique because you know, I was always working different jobs and things like that. And it was never about money. It was never about, you know, I always thought, well, it'd be great to be full-time ministry, yeah. but you know, um, you know, we were youth pastors, uh, children's pastors, 
associate pastors there at the church, a uh, number of roles, and actually lived at the property one time. Yeah. And 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 for us, you know, it was never never a thought. And um, you know, I, I I knew in my heart that God had called us to pastor. I knew that that was His plan. Um, in 2010, uh, we had an opportunity to move to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was still working a full-time job as well, so it was a bivocational position. Mm-hmm. And um, and the company allowed me to move to Huntington, West Virginia. We were four blocks away from Marshall University. Nice. And, uh, and great people down there, but they had went through a number of pastors, and it was just a, a really rough situation. And um, But we, great people, and matter of six months, you know, some positive things were happening, momentum was happening, um, and uh, unfortunately, my, my work said, you're either going to lose your job, or you're going to, you know, need to move back. And so uh, at that time, I think we were making $100 a week from the church, mm-hmm. and they couldn't sustain a full-time, you know, leader, yeah. and so we ended up moving back to Kokomo. And... Um, you know, my thought again was just to serve, uh, whether it was associate pastor role or whatever. I just wanted to serve, wanted to you know help Bishop Freeman, who was a tremendous father figure in my life, spiritual father figure, um, and help the church grow and thrive and move into the next phase of where it was going. And uh, in, in April of, of 2010, he passed away. Uh, suddenly, unexpected, I talked to him on Thursday night. And uh, we just got done with service, and I didn't think I preached a great message, and think we were going to go out and mow the next day uh, at the property, and um, and got the call uh, Friday morning, really early, and um, and so at that point it was I was the associate pastor there, and um, you know knew somebody was going to step up, knew somebody needed to step up and felt like that that was what God had called us to do. But again, it was going to be the decision of the church. That's the way the church was set up. And, and, uh, you know, had it went another way, we just certainly tried to to help whoever was there because it's just, we love the church. We love the family. We love the people. And, um, and so we did get the opportunity to pastor there. And, um, Go into full-time ministry. I remember we, we, a few years later had interviewed with, um, a pretty well-known pastor in, in Columbus, Ohio. And I showed him the resume of what we had done in ministry, our ministry resume, so to speak. And and he said, okay, so when did you start getting paid? And I said, right here when we were lead pastor. And he was astounded because, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, not something you think you can do. So, um, you know, for us, it was just, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't the best of opportunities to transition that way, but uh, we're certainly thankful that we were able to help the church transition and and uh, glad for Pastor Devin Cole, who's there at Christian Heritage now, doing a great job and and building that and continuing the uh, the, the history and legacy of the church. That's awesome. I mean, I y'all always like to ask these questions because I like to know the history of every pastor and leader in the in, that I come across. Mm-hmm. Just it's just great to hear that. So, and I know you you are what I like to call a multi talented. You are gifted in more than just one area of ministry. You already kind of alluded to some of this. Uh, you, you, you're called a, you're a gifted singer, songwriter. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Learn something. Many of those. <laughs> so you're songwriting, singing. You were in the praise. Like when I first met you, I saw you in the praise team. I saw you help leading youth department. Also the camp director, maybe helping the directors. Uh, and then as well, then you became the lead pastor. And so uh, was that illustrated for you growing up? And and if so, 
where and who pulled the most out of you? I know you mentioned Freeman. Yeah. You, you give him solely every all the credit for that? Well, it's interesting, you know, as I look back, as I mentioned, we weren't, really weren't too involved in church. Now, my mom and my dad, uh, you know, when they were together, weren't really involved in church, but my grandparents were, and they went to a, a church uh, in Kokomo, and the pastor was, he was multi-talented. Uh, he reminded me uh, from a, a skill uh, level, uh, as far as he was, you know, could play the piano, praise and worship, could preach well, interacted people with well. Um, and so I seen that, didn't recognize at the time what I was seeing. Um, and then, you know, for a short period, we, we visited or went to another church in Kokomo as a family and seeing the gifts in action, but not necessarily looking at that time thinking, oh, this is what it is, right? And so I think being around the different ministries and seeing that, but, and then, you know, with Pastor Freeman or, or Bishop Freeman for me, uh, you know, I didn't know I could, you know, I remember singing the first time uh, in a choir, uh, leading a song, right? I was scared to death. I practiced for, you know, weeks to try to get this song right. And he wanted me to sing it twice in the same night. I'm like, I must've done something good, you know? Um, but he believed in me and, and he, he pulled that out and, and, you know, so give him the credit, I think probably more than anyone in my life. Um, because of, of some of the things we've seen. But then I look at men like you know, Hamp Wooten, yeah. uh, who I didn't have an experience with knowing until probably you know, three, four years before we started lead pastor. But that guy would call me every day and, you know, uh, or every other day. Uh, and then Pastor Rick Brozier, you know, guys that, that um, I seen. And even you, I know, you know you, you're, you're talking about that I'm all the time. I looked at the things you did and I thought, man, this guy's got everything. He's a gifted singer. He, you know, he can do everything. Uh, and, and so I, I think, I don't necessarily know that anybody pulled it out, but I think knowing that I knew that the gifts that I had weren't to anybody's standard, and it had to be God that was helping me because if not, I was a mess. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Well, I always say that as leaders, as mainly as, as pastors, as lay ministers, we're always attracted to something that that that's probably deep down inside of us anyway. I've caught myself, um, you know, I was a part of Rick Brozier's church for years, and now Bishop O'Neill, who are very similar type of, they're, they're, they play the piano, they can sing. And, and so I catch, you, we catch ourselves gravitating to people. I feel like what we really feel is on the inside of us. Yes. I really believe that. I know I sat under Pastor Landis for a season, but he was a, I want to call a preacher's preacher. His brother could preach. And I feel like I needed to be in that season for a while to, to understand that. Because me and you are, are probably um, uh, accused of this often, that we illustrate too much in our messages. <laughs> yes. Now, now if you, don't, if you, you that watching at home that's watched me preach, you all know that I love illustrations. You know that I like to do plays right in the middle of a message. This brother is very similar. <laughs> I remember camps and times you would bring in uh, one, one that I remember f f it's been around. And I believe Pastor Bowen was coming around at that same time. And I know because of me and you're similar in that way of preaching, we love Pastor Bowen. Oh, absolutely. It's like, this guy's going to do what? Yes. And yes. we've had Pastor Bowen at our church at Destiny, and yes. he was just uh, just an amazing character to have. But, but you're very similar. But I remember one time you preached a message and you brought a door down into the front of the altar. And you said, it's time for us to walk through the door and, and shut the door to yesterday. Now, some people are sitting there thinking, you know, well, I've heard of messages like that. But 
I've always said this, there's something about getting to the eye gate of the people yes, because it will capture them and they'll, they won't forget it. No, and so I want to say this, but you're very gifted in that area. And I know some people, people uh, say stuff like, can you preach though? Like normal preaching, whatever that yeah. is. I don't even yeah, know what I don't, that means. That's all I've anymore. got. Absolutely. That's yeah. a, it, it's funny. You mentioned Pastor Bowen and, and you know, he's a man that believed in me when probably not a lot of people okay. even knew who I was. I mean, he, he was the first person I think that ever called me Pastor Steve. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was on the, I was sitting in the, in the right side of the sanctuary and he's like, you Pastor Steve. And I'm looking around, who's Pastor Steve? <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, does he know? Like, I'm not a pastor. I'm nobody. But he, yeah, he, he was calling me something. But you mentioned you know, uh, um, uh, uh, illustrated sermons. Yeah. And I'll never forget the time that probably got me in the most trouble was a youth camp. Um, and uh, I brought a casket in. And, oh, and I didn't realize that before this trip, some of the youth had had an experience where one of their friends had been lost. And uh, so here comes a casket down the altar, and I'm I'm thinking it's a great illustration and everything is great. All of a sudden I hear, <gasps> and then tears just start flowing, and I'm like, well, that didn't work out as well as I thought it would. But <laughs> well, as soon as you said that casket, I'm thinking, man, that's a great illustration. But now just hearing how the, res- yeah, didn't, the response, didn't go, I mean, you know, it didn't go as well as I thought it would. Uh, the funeral home was great though. Oh, yeah. that's great. Well, hey, I got a question to ask you. Now, God has used you, I know, in mighty in a mighty way through your, your early years of ministry already. Now, can you give us a testimony of a time or several times where you witnessed the hand of God move on your behalf or through the ministry itself? You know, I, I look back and I think of a number of times um, that we, you know, can I can pinpoint where you know, we believe God healed someone and, and it's, it's, you know, confirmed that God healed them, right? And it's not just by faith, it's yeah, here's right. the papers and... And those are the those are the moments and things that I think are so powerful. But what the season that I've been in in my life recently, and, and uh, many wouldn't understand. Uh, I know you do with being sports is is coaching. Uh, it's a ministry, and uh, I've I've had the opportunity for the past five years to uh, coach high school softball uh, with with teenage girls. And uh, for me my mentality has always been ministry is outside of the church. I've always said that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never recognized how much we preach by just being around people. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds silly, right? Uh, We get our messages prepared. We talk about our illustrations. We pray for people on the altars. Um, You know, we we have altar calls. But it's those daily interactions with, with young people that I've had over the past five years in softball and basketball and football that... For me, um, I look at and think that's ministry, mm-hmm. right? That's uh, I, I see young people. I, I, I'm I'm not going to call the young lady's name, but I had to be. You know, it was a public school, it wasn't a Christian school, but I was unashamed that we were going to pray, and I, I would let them know I'm praying for them every day, and I love them. And uh, this young lady um, let me know this year that you know her boyfriend was. Uh, going for some tests, and he, he had some heart problems. He's a baseball player, and sure. and she was concerned, and and um, and I remember sitting on the bucket, but she's leaving practice, and she's starting to tear up. And I said, "I'm going to be praying for him tonight." The next day, she come back, and she was so she had this smile on her face. He went to the doctor. The doctor cleared him. Everything was good. And I know that sounds simple, mm-hmm. but for that young lady to see faith in action, for her to know somebody prayed. Uh, to me, that goes beyond wins and losses. It goes beyond the numbers of people that are in the church. It goes beyond all that. That's that's ministry in action. That's ministry, um, and, and I think what we're all called to do. Whether you're coaching, whether you're working with a coworker, whether you're at school with your friends, whether you're on the job, 
we've got to live the life. We look for, for big miracles. We look for moments where the, you know, where's cancer being healed? Where's this person being delivered from, from alcoholism? And we, we have those moments in our ministry. But for me, it's, it's the daily life. It's the daily living. It's the little ministries, the, the little, um, not little ministries, it's the little victories. It's the, the little moments where you see lives changed and impacted, you know, and we can't look past those moments. We can't look past those opportunities. And so for me, I think, you know, that's probably, and maybe it's because it's so fresh in my mind, sure. um, but I, I, I look at the impact over the past five years with that group, and it's not been on stage. I've not had a mic in my hand, yeah. um, but the platform's been there. That's awesome. Well, this is those times I think God gives us, and you being a, you've been dealing with children and teens, the majority of probably of our, our ministries, because I can vouch the same way. And But it, it's those times. It's like, yeah, I can remember a time where a demonic spirit came out of somebody and they were puking and vomiting all over the floor. Well, that's an amazing deliverance uh, testimony, but it's those testimonies where you hear a kid like, hey man, uh, you prayed for me the other day and I was praying about something with my father and my faith rose and I was, and my dad gave his heart to Jesus. It's yeah. like, those are huge. They are. I, I remember a, a situation we were, I had done jail ministry and, uh, and you know, some people don't like jail ministry. I enjoy going into the jail to, to minister to those men uh, and women. And I remember I was in, um, I was, I was in uh, Indianapolis, which was about 45 minutes north of where I was at. And I was working on my job, had a shirt on that had the company logo on it, you know, nothing that said preacher on my forehead, you know, we don't normally wear those bandanas that say preacher. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember I was in the neighborhood, I got out of the the car and I hear this guy yelling from a roof and they were doing some, some roofing on this home. And he said, Hey, you wait a second. I thought, well, I must be parked in the wrong spot. You know, something must have happened. And he says, you wait, wait right there. He comes down and he says, he goes, you're from Kokomo, aren't you? And I'm like, well, that's easy. My license plate kind of gives that away. You know, I said, right. yeah, yeah, I am. He goes, he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I thought, well, now we're in trouble. This may not be a good situation. Oh, yeah. I said, no, I, I don't, sir. I said, I'm sorry. He goes, you preached in the jail. And he gave me the date. He gave me the sermon. He gave me every minute. He said, my life changed that night. And he goes, I'm not perfect, but I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. And I thought, for a guy to come off a roof and tell me that. Right. Because, and look, you know, I, I remember going to the, uh, a couple jail services when I first started. I was 18. My first sermon ever to a, an adult was the men at the jail. And there was a very captive audience. Nobody ever went to the restroom. Right. Nobody got up and left, right? Um, I, I remember the first question I asked, and I'm sorry, but this is, this is funny. I said, How many has ever done something wrong and got caught? <laughs> Now, now, 50% of the group said, no, no, no. And the other group was like, yeah, I did. But, uh, but, but, but I remember um, standing there in that, in that moment and, and some of these guys coming in and being like, Bratcher, what are you doing? And the church people behind me were like, how do you know them? I'm like, it was the grace of God why I'm here and why they're there right now. And, and it was the moment that, that was able to share. And, and so those types of moments in ministry – you know, I think we'll never know the true impact that we have until we get to heaven. That's all. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm glad you shared that. That's powerful. Now I know you've, you've been called. You have been called with taking on this new lead pastor role at my old stomping grounds yeah. of Abounding Grace Ministries in Salina, Ohio, in this next following year, in this coming year. Now I ask this question often, but I love vision. Now, where do you see yourself in Abounding Grace at that going in the next five years? Yeah, I think. You know, for us, uh, you know, I was never, um, never really desired to pastor again, um, and and I, I say that because I, I so reverenced Bishop Freeman, 
and uh, and everything didn't work out as as well as I would have thought. But I think God had a plan in everything, and uh, and and we just didn't see it. And but uh, as I look through this opportunity, it's so much different than that transition was. And 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 I'm you know I'm grateful for Bishop Rozier, Pastor Pastor Rozier, um, you know, with this transition time. For us, um, you know, the first year, year and a half is going to be just getting to know the people, know the area, um, and, and I'm excited about that. But I believe that, you know, the thing I was always, uh, always admired about Abounding Grace, and not only Abounding Grace, but Pastor Brozier's leadership, was the, the health of the church. It was always a healthy church with demographic, age demographic, and, and I think, you know, that's one of the areas that we're going to continue to grow in and we're going to continue to move forward in. Um, you know, Pastor Brozier is probably the, the youngest old person I know. You know, he, he's in his 60s, but he's, he's out playing softball every week. Right. One of the hardest working men you'll ever meet. Um, but we also know that from a you know, statistical standpoint, a lead pastor is going to reach 15 years higher or lower than their age group. And so I think that's going to help bring some of that more health back into the church. And it's a healthy church now, but I think we're going to continue to grow. And how we can impact the community. Um, you know, it's got a great uh, history, a great legacy in that area. And so I'm excited to see what God's going to do. I know um, they're in world missions. Uh, they still are part of that, still in local missions. And uh, I'm energized. I'm ready to go. I think um, taking the lessons that I've learned uh, much wiser now. And so we're excited. I'm, well, I'm excited for you. I know me being a part of their, that ministry for nine, 10 years, uh, it's heavily ca- uh, Catholic yeah. uh, driven community, which is great. They're great people there, but uh, it, they are starving for full gospel. Yes, and, uh, and I believe that God is going to use you in a mighty way in this season that you're coming into. So I am excited. Well, Pastor Steve, we can talk all day about yes, you, and uh, I'm going to have you on next episode as well. We're going to talk about some things of transition, but I appreciate you for taking the time uh, of your busy schedules. Maybe you're watching this or listening to this on a treadmill, walking around a trail. I get testimonies about that often, but I appreciate you for tuning in to Bridging the Gap, and we will see you next week. Good day, and God bless you.